0: This is gavin jackson and in conjunction with the diversity leaders initiative at Furman university we're exploring the intersectionality of autism race and policing we're breaking down the myths of autism spectrum disorder or asd learning about the challenges facing those affected by asd and finding out what advocates are doing to increase awareness and prevent tragedies to understand these volatile situations between police and asd individuals that we briefly heard about and we'll hear more details on we first need to understand the fundamentals of ASD. For that, we go to Dr. Laura Carpenter with the Medical University of South Carolina who specializes in ASD.
1: So autism spectrum disorder, um, we often call it ASD. It's a neurodevelopmental disorder, meaning that it happens first in very early development. Um, And it involves deficits in social communication skills as well as unusual patterns of behavior. And we know that Even though um, early intervention is very helpful for young children with autism, approximately 80% of those diagnosed with autism in childhood will go on to have interfering symptoms of some type throughout their lifespan. So even though symptoms might become less obvious over time, um, they might result in greater functional impairment as demands for independent functioning increase with age. So I think about um, diagnosis of autism as sort of falling into two groups. There's the um, sort of early diagnosis group and the late diagnosis group. So I think of the early diagnosis group as being those under four. Um, They have pretty classically defined symptoms, significant social difficulties, significant repetitive behaviors. Um, When we're looking at kids being diagnosed after four, the picture tends to be a little bit more complex. So you've got kids that have other co-occurring conditions or things that make their presentation more complicated, health issues or complex psychosocial issues. Um, And so, um, and they might, kids diagnosed after four sometimes have sort of a less classic autism presentation.
0: Terminology is also important to understanding people and situations. Just like we no longer call someone handicapped, you wouldn't call someone retarded either. An appropriate term is to say a person with disabilities. When referring to someone with ASD, it's common to say a person with autism or that they're on the autism spectrum, which encompasses different levels of the disorder, and some even prefer being called an autistic person. Dr. Carpenter explains that it comes down to a common courtesy we all do, and that is asking how a person wishes to be identified.
1: In recent years, I I think some young people with autism have begun to advocate for the term autistic person as opposed to the traditional sort of person-first language that we've all been taught, which is person with autism. Um, And I think these advocates have argued that autism is is an essential part of their identity, and they want to be identified as an autistic person. Um, And so I think the best solution is just to ask the person about their preference and to defer to their wishes regarding how they want to be described.
0: Now that we have some terminology, Dr. Carpenter explains an ASD diagnosis and symptoms. She gives us deeper insight on social development issues among those with autism and the behaviors they may exhibit.
1: We have the social difficulties and the restricted repetitive behaviors. So in terms of social difficulties, um, people with autism might have difficulty um, reading other people's nonverbal expressions, like eye contact, and they might have difficulty also sort of picking up on nonverbal cues from the environment. Um, so understanding, like in what context you're supposed to behave one way, whereas in another context you're supposed to behave another way. Um, and they often have difficulty with this sort of back and forth of um, social interactions. We call it reciprocity. So in a conversation, it might feel very one-sided um, because the conversation just sort of dwindles off, or the person with autism might dominate the conversation um, or kind of respond very um, in a scripted way um, or a very perseverative way. Um, We also know that people with autism really struggle to develop meaningful relationships. Um, So, you know, most people with autism very much want to have meaningful relationships, but they can have a lot of difficulty navigating the social world. So even when they learn social skills, they might have difficulty applying those skills at the right time and in the right circumstances. Um, And I have found that for older people with autism, friendships often arise around shared interests, so particularly um, when it comes to the intense interests associated with autism. So that sort of brings me to the other domain, which are the restricted repetitive behaviors. So these can be really broad. So some people with autism have repetitive motor movements like hand flapping. Um, Some people have repetitive use of language, like saying the same thing over and over. Um, Probably in older people, the area of greatest functional impairment is the um, routines and rituals and resistance to change. So we refer to this as kind of like autistic stickiness, um, where people with autism become stuck in certain behavioral patterns and become distressed when there are small changes in routine. and then we also have, you know, what most people think of when they think of autism are the intense interests. Um, so sometimes these are interests that everybody else has or that many other people have. But for the person with autism, it's simply all encompassing. They can't talk about or think about anything else. And then in other cases, they're very narrow specialized interests. Um, and so I think, you know, in autism, the specialized interests can sometimes be helpful. It can lead to great um great areas of expertise for that person. Sometimes it can lead to a job and other times it can be pretty impairing. Um, And then finally, we have the sensory issues, which are so difficult to understand. Um, So, you know, people with autism have both sensory aversions and sensory attractions. And Both of these types of behaviors can be present in the same person at the same time. Um, And I think when you talk to people with autism, they often describe the sensory issues as being among the most distressing symptoms of the disorder for themselves. Um, They might find certain lights or smells or textures or noises to be irritating, sometimes even painful. They might feel like they have to endure these sensory experiences with great distress And then on the other hand, you also have people who seek out certain sights or smells or textures.
0: But Dr. Carpenter says it's also an invisible disorder in some respects, which can be confusing for law enforcement.
1: I think the most important thing is that people with autism are usually physically indistinguishable from their peers. So um, their behavior like poor eye contact or taking statements very literally might make them appear to be disrespectful or even intentionally uncooperative. Um some people with autism might become very overwhelmed particularly in an emergency situation and instead of being able to make rational decisions might just take off and run away Um, and it's really hard for law enforcement to know um, what's really going on with this person are they are they being are they resisting the situation or do they have a disability
0: These behaviors, such as fixations, social misunderstandings, sensory issues, and others can result in problems for people with autism. Maybe you've seen it yourself while shopping or somewhere out in public, and a child or young adult is throwing an uncontrollable tantrum or having an aggressive moment with their caregivers. While it's easy to make rash assumptions about parenting, stop and consider that this mother or father is raising a child with a disability, which presents challenges many will never experience. Sometimes it rises to the level of calling for assistance, which Golda Barton did in Salt Lake City in September. Her son has Asperger's syndrome. While high functioning, he still exhibits several behaviors Dr. Carpenter spoke about. While Barton wasn't entirely clear in her 911 call whether her son was armed, she told a local TV station that she didn't think police would shoot to kill him, wondering instead why non-lethal force wasn't used.
1: It was less than five minutes. How could it have escalated in less than five minutes? He
0: was running away. He was running away. That was Golda Barton speaking days after the terrifying incident that shocked the country and one that Salt Lake City Police Chief Mike Brown hopes will prompt change. We are facing a mental health crisis in this country with a void of resources for those in crisis. And make no mistake, This is a crisis. As a police department, we want to be partners with those who provide mental health services. As a community, we need to find a way forward. Too often, our officers are called to deal with these difficult problems, which frequently are not criminal in nature. Like so many issues, the Catalyst for Change doesn't occur until after a tragedy or incident. Even though the conditions and need for change existed well before then, We'll go more into training and the current environment in South Carolina in our fourth episode, but Dr. Carpenter has already researched people with disabilities, including ASD, and their interactions with police and the criminal justice system of South Carolina, as well as the role that race plays. She first breaks down what issues typically bring people with autism into contact with law enforcement.
1: Fixated interests are often at the core of legal violations, Um, so a young person with autism might be accused of stalking another person when their intention was just to cultivate a friendship or a romantic relationship, and that young person might not recognize how their interest would be interpreted by the object of their fixation. Um, I think some youth with autism also don't fully appreciate social rules regarding privacy and personal space. Um, So, you know, if a young man begins unbuttoning his pants before he gets into the restroom, he might be accused of flashing. Um, Or a woman who gives um, other people indiscriminate bear hugs um, might not recognize that she's making people uncomfortable. And I think the other issue, um, there's a couple other issues. Um, People with autism sometimes have difficulty seeing the perspective of another person. So um, when they're openly staring at another person um, or failing to pick up on a nonverbal cue, they're not able to see that perspective from the other, that situation from the other person's perspective. Um, And the other issue that comes up sometimes is that some young adults with autism relate better to people who are either much older or much younger than themselves. Um, So if a young adult has a friendship with a preteen, that can be viewed as inappropriate. It might even be illegal if there's a sexual relationship going on. Um, And we know that youth with disabilities receive inadequate sexual education. So sometimes there's just a basic lack of knowledge regarding laws about sexual acts, and with minors. Um, And then um, some people with autism also gravitate towards relationships with people who are much older, which in turn places them at risk of victimization.
0: Her research will soon be peer-reviewed with plans to publish, but Dr. Carpenter gave some insight on what it shows.
1: We've been looking at both um, Department of Juvenile Justice and then um, SLED, which is our um, adult um, justice system. Our work is currently undergoing the peer review process, meaning it hasn't been peer reviewed yet, and hasn't been published, but I can share with you briefly, um, we're finding overrepresentation by people of color in all of our groups. So not just autism, but also intellectual disabilities, as well as the general population, which I think will come as a surprise to no one. Um, we're also finding that people with autism are less likely to be involved in the adult justice system than their peers. But once they're in that system, the criminal charges and the outcomes don't seem to be any different than the general population. So potentially, this could mean that there may be some diversion taking place even prior to that first arrest um, because we don't have any details about what happened in, during that initial police encounter, um, but that once the person with autism is in the system, they don't seem to be getting much special consideration for their disability. So my team's research has shown that by the time youth with autism reach adulthood, about 3% have been charged with at least one offense, which is very similar to comparison populations. What we know for sure is that people with autism are at far greater risk of being the victims of crime than being the perpetrators. So, you know, we have some people with autism are nonverbal and they can't report when they've been victimized. And some people with autism have cognitive impairments that lead them to be unsure about their legal rights. They might think that when a trusted person or person in authority victimizes them, that it's their own fault. Um, And I think the other issue that really places people with autism at risk of being victims of crime is that many of them are very socially naive and they very much desire meaningful relationships. And that can be um, a recipe for victimization.
0: Parents play a key role in educating their children about interacting with police and how to handle such situations, though obviously every person with ASD presents different challenges and circumstances.
1: So I think it's just like anything else in autism. Um, what comes naturally to other kids often has to be explicitly taught to people with autism. And so you can really apply that to um, you know, interactions with first responders. So showing pictures of first responders, having the person meet first responders, talking about the protocol of what happens when you have an interaction with a police officer and what to do, and then really explicitly practicing that um, is just so important um, because we can't expect that people with autism are going to read the situation appropriately when it happens, when they're in the middle of a crisis. Um, we also encourage young people with ASD to carry a wallet card that identifies their special needs and that they can pass this card to law enforcement. And so I think you have to remember that you know there are many people with autism who can speak very eloquently about their disability but when faced with a crisis might completely lose track of what they're supposed to be saying. And so having that wallet card there um, can help to avert situations that um, might be damaging.
0: While sound advice, it still leaves parents with ASD children, especially parents of non-white children, worried that implicit bias against people of color mixed with volatile behaviors and missed social cues can end up in disaster. In our next episode, we look into just what one mother is telling her son about interacting with police and how she feels officers aren't prepared enough to handle such a situation without it possibly turning into a tragedy.